But these guys all want to go together, get on uh, on banana boat, become friends, and kiss and kiss each other on the cheek twice. I hate that. I'm never going to accept that. Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Good evening, good evening. It is July 3rd, Wednesday, July 3rd, and we are live. And by live, I mean we're live. You guys will be listening to this recorded. We are at the RA Center in Ottawa once again. Pierre, welcome, and let us know what's going on here. Hey, we are, like Brock said, uh, recording from the RA Center patio. It's officially called the Sun Deck. Uh, and they have an upstairs restaurant called The Fieldhouse, and they graciously allow us to use their patio uh, to podcast. So right now there's a lot of foot traffic. There's uh, some beach volleyball going on. There's some RA Center slow pitch leagues. Uh, speaking of which, this is my 19th season. I've spent 19 summers on this patio, so uh, that's half of my life, really, if you think about it. So they're, they've been always been so gracious and kind to me, and uh, like once again they've allowed us to set up shop here. And they're going to give us a few wobbly pops along the way, and we'll try not to overconsume. In fact, we will not overconsume. But uh, before we get started on what we have to talk about, which is a lot, uh, I just want to send out a melancholy condolences to the family of Tyler Skaggs, 27-year-old starting pitcher for the Los Angeles Angels, who died suddenly in his sleep. In a hotel room in Texas, as the Angels were in, uh, on the road to play the Texas Rangers. Uh, cause of death is yet to be determined, I believe, officially uh, unknown. Still, uh, I, yeah. Very sad. Uh, young man. Uh, saw Brad Osmus' uh, press conference yesterday, and he uh, had a hard time holding back his tears, rightfully so. And his teammates are going to wear the number 45, I believe, a patch on their jersey for the rest of the year. They postponed the game the day he passed away. They had a game scheduled for uh, five hours later at 7.07. They played the, the night after and uh, dedicated the game to him, which they won. And uh, I just want to send out our condolences to the, to the Skaggs family. And uh, unfortunately, Brock uh, has some, some more bad news to, to report to you today. Brock? Yeah, so uh, actually on my ride over here, I got the news that... Uh, uh, Jared Lorenzen also passed away. For those who aren't aware of who that is, the hefty lefty, as he was uh, known with the University of Kentucky. Um, he was their starting quarterback for a few years in the two th- early 2000s. Um, cannon for an arm is an understatement. Um, but he was also pushing 275, 300 pounds as a quarterback. And uh, I remember, obviously watching him play and uh, guaranteed there were coaches around the country who were cursing him because the fact that the next day or whatever, I'm sure he, those coaches got all their offensive linemen saying, see, I can play quarterback coach. I knew I could do it. See, he's doing it before us. Um, but he was, he was phenomenal to watch. He brought those Wildcats some excitement. Um, you know, the guy never, I'd never seen a, a picture of him without a smile on his face. 
Uh, he obviously, I mean, he he ended up with the Giants. He's got a Super Bowl ring with the Giants. Played with the Colts for a little bit, and then um, ended up in the Arena League for a few years. Um, always fought his uh, his addiction to food, and was at one point over 500 pounds. Um, I think he had a TV show called The Lorenzen Project, I believe you said, um, which was him trying to lose weight and get his life under control. Um, unfortunately, he uh, uh, he passed away today. So, uh, you know, our thoughts and condolences with uh, with his family and friends, and um, anybody who was a college football fan is uh, is thinking about him today for sure. And he holds every Kentucky passing record. Of known to the university, and uh, you know, I was going to mention to you, Brock. You know, I, you, you know, you and I both understand how small pro sports is in terms of their community. You know, these guys see each other probably more than their families do during uh, during the season, and uh, you know, they become a family. And in the case of Tyler Skaggs and Jared Lorenzen during his playing days, you know, he probably saw his football teammates more than he saw his family, and. The same goes for Tyler Skaggs. So it's tough for the football world. And I know you you certainly know people in the pros, um, TJ Lang, um, a couple of offensive line coaches yeah. who probably have met Jared Lorenzen and know him or know his family. Or, so it's a small community. And, and so my condolences go out to you and uh, the people who know him. Um, it's, just, it's just sad all around, especially with, at a young age, 38 years old. Like, I'm, I'm 42 you know, it puts my life in perspective. And Tyler Skaggs at 27, I mean, I don't, I can only fathom what the family's going through at that age. And, you know, he, he probably has a wife and a family. And if he doesn't, they're, you know, he's well on his way to starting his own fam. And it's just tough. So anyway, we, we thought we would start the show with, you know, sending our condolences and making sure we recognize the sporting world and the sporting community as a, as a tight-knit group. And we're, we're just two podcasters from Ottawa. But... We love sports, and we hope that professionals understand how much we appreciate them. So, anyway, that's... Well said. Yeah. So, on that note... On that note, yeah. We've got some, uh, cheers. We've got some stuff to talk about. Che- and cheers. Yeah, cheers. we're going to take a sip. Give we're us a second take a sip here. for those two. And Pierre's calling for another <laughs> one because he took more than one sip. Uh, All right. Okay, well, we are going to get... Uh, Get moving into this episode. Yes. And we, again, have a lot to cover. We're actually on Kawhi Leonard watch at this point. Uh, he is effectively, I think, meeting with the Toronto Raptors as we record this. So we do have our phones on high alert. And uh, <laughs> and uh, if something comes up, hey, we will interrupt that uh, right away to hopefully announce him staying in Toronto. But I think there's a, I mean, there's a few theories out there now. Um, after everything you've heard so far, where do you think, like, what's your, what's your prediction? I think he, oh, flat out he comes back to Toronto. I think, you know, I think the, it's the best scenario for him. He can, he can do a two-year contract, like a one-year plus a one-year option, see how the, the, the uh, Raptors uh, organization develops over the course of the next year because they are going to be a little bit older. Uh, he could take that one-year option, and he'll be. Then he'll have serviced. He'll have been in service in the league for a decade, which means that he can command some crazy amount of max salary two years from now, more than he can make now. So really, yes. Yeah, so if he's smart, he'll sign a two-year extension with the Raptors with a one-year option. So sorry, a w- 
well, a one-year plus a one-year option, which equals two years. He'll play out those two years, and then get. we'll be right back where we started two years from now, but he'll be able to command a ton more salary. Like, I'm not sure if you know um, the, the specifics with the Damian Lillard deal, but he did the same thing. He signed a one-year plus one with the Blazers a couple of years ago, and... By doing so, and I don't know the logistics behind it. I'm not. I'm not sure how the accounting works in the NBA, but he was able to sign what they call the supermax deal. Five years, 194. I don't even. I, don't, I think it's the highest in the NBA. So, because he put in the service and he's been in the league for a decade or longer. So there's there's some service time that affects how much money you can make as a max salary. And so the supermax is 194, is what you said. I believe so, because that's what he got. He got five 194. Because. The Toronto can give Kawhi five one ninety, so I don't know where that extra four comes from. Is it yeah. service time? It, it, we're t- one hundred ninety million plus four million in the grand scheme. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's crazy money, but uh, you know, uh, I I don't know. I, I it's hard to it's hard to imagine at this point money's his his determining factor. I don't think I don't think that's it. I, I'm in the same boat. I don't think I don't know. I also could be giving Kawhi way too much credit, but. Uh, like, I just don't feel like he's money-driven in terms of that being his only decision-making. So if he stays in Toronto, you know, I think of his daughter, and I think of, okay, he's putting her into a certain school. I know she's got to be accustomed to moving around, but at some point those kids get it to an age where you're like, I don't really want to move them. They're kind of in the, they got their friends and stuff. So I'm not familiar with how old his daughter is, but... That might be something that comes into play. You know, uh, healthcare system. There's uh, that billboard that the uh, the Clippers put up. Toronto's in Canada. Toronto's in Canada. I don't know what they meant by that? I thought that I thought that was weird that they were helping the Raptors keep them because, from my perspective, that's a positive. That's a hey, Toronto's in Canada. You might want to think about going there. L.A. is not. We're, and that's it's like an arrogant billboard it's an ignorant arrogant billboard to put up i don't think canadians would ever write something like you know la stinks or la's the uh, you know uh gun capital of the world like i just i just we're not like that so i think and i i trust in Kawhi in the sense of that probably bothered him i don't think he's that type of guy to be a rah-rah billboard kind of guy and i don't think he appreciates that he doesn't because that represents him because if he does sign in la that billboard would automatically represent him. Yeah, you know? he would get. Yeah, he get uh, not blacklisted, but he would get. Uh, um, people would see and think, "Oh, well, he he must believe that too, or it must be have an issue with Canada." Exactly. Now, okay, if Kawhi does sign with, okay, you're a Laker fan, fine. If he signs with uh, the Clippers, do you have a hate on for Kawhi? Like Not this right Canada, would Canada have a hate on for Kawhi well, for leaving? You know, I'd say if he was with the Raptors for two or three years, and and he he helped us get one championship, I'd it would be a little easier to take. You know, he put in his time, he got us a championship. His family's in L.A., but the fact that it's only one one and done, it, it stings. And how well he was treated in Canada, and the fact that they won the championship. Like, are you playing to win championships? Toronto gives him the best opportunity right now. I mean. I may be wrong on that. If he does go to L.A., L.A. is LA is now, with Anthony Davis being there, they have to be the top seed in the West. They have to be. The Warriors are injured. They've just lost Kevin Durant. 
Clay Thompson won't be back for seven, six or seven months into the season. They signed D'Angelo Russell, so they've kind of fallen back to earth in terms of who they'll be able to recruit. So th the time is now, and the Lakers, this is a big opportunity for L.A. So if he goes to the Lakers, I mean, geez, you know, it is about winning championships. So that's why it's hard to see him coming back to Toronto if it's about championships. It certainly isn't going to be about the money. I think we can both we can both agree that money is not going to be the motivator here. He's going to make equal to, in terms of endorsements, you know, teams can always figure out a way for a man to make uh, a little more money in the NBA. So um, my gut feeling says he resigns in Toronto to, uh, today or tomorrow. That's, that's what my gut tells me. But would I be bothered by him leaving on the one and done? Jeez, three weeks ago I'd have said no. Now maybe, now maybe it might bother me as a, as a, as a quasi-Raptor fan, man. I, my allegiance is right, almost right down the middle. It's the only sport where I have two teams where I root for equally. Yeah, so. if I do go back to previous episodes, I'm pretty sure you had said you're more of a Raptors fan now after this little run. But it was that post AD though? That was pre AD. That was pre AD. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't. Uh, I didn't see you on that bandwagon drive by. Anyway, uh, <laughs> there's room. There's room. These are the comments from Charles Barkley. We talked about a little bit off air, but. Uh, his uh, take on Kawhi with super teams and uh, his hate for that. Uh, Charles is my guy. Now, I haven't heard this, so you're... But, uh, all right, here we go. Okay. Everyone else, he's already proven the thing that everyone else hasn't proven. Well, first of all, you're 100% correct. Uh, we're never going to be mad at Kawhi because what he did in San Antonio and especially what he did this year in Toronto. I just think from... This is just me. I'm old school. From competitive balance, I'm sick of these guys stacking their team. Listen, I, I, I hate the super team. I want guys to sweat and cry and feel pain, don't win all the time. It's supposed to be competition, but these guys all want to go together, get on, uh, on banana boat, become friends, and kiss and kiss each other on the cheek twice. I hate that. I'm never going to accept that, Max. And But I say I'd have a different effect for uh, Kawhi because he did it twice, uh, especially this year he did it basically by himself. Uh, but I hate this super team where all these guys team up where they can't lose. I hate that. Now, I tend to agree with him. You know, it is. It's supposed to be competition. You're supposed to, you know, there should be some parity within this league. And, um, you know, you just don't. What is it about the NBA that allows players to control or have this much control over how the teams line up and, and, and stacking teams and whatever. You don't see that in other sports. No, you don't. I think part of it is the um, – before, uh, before I get into that question, I just want to, want to mention one thing about Barkley. I am a, I'm a huge Barkley fan. All right? I love Charles Barkley. But uh, I think Barkley seems to forget that he went from Phoenix to Houston – when they had Elijah Wan, Clyde Drexler, Scotty Pippen had just gotten traded there. Uh, those three guys are NBA top 50, and they're all Hall of Famers, plus Barkley. So I don't, I don't know. So that sounds like a super team to me. You know, they were all a little bit older at that point, but it was a super team. It's been going on for years. Like Gary Payton and Karl Malone went to the Lakers um, in 2004 and tried to win a championship there. I mean, Carmelo. Malone, you think of Carmelo, Malone, you think of the Utah Jazz, but he went to the Lakers 
to try and get one more title, one more crack at it. It wasn't successful. They ended up losing to the Pistons in the finals, but it's been going on for years. And I think the way Barkley explains it, it you'd think it was just happening recently, and it, it's been going on for years. Like it, I think what happens now is guys are doing it in their prime, which is the only difference. You know, Gary Payton prime. and Carl Malone were, were past their prime. but Yeah, and Barkley and Houston was past his prime. For sure, and so Pippen was Elijah Pippen was Wong. past his prime. Elijah was past, That was like, you know, the uh, Grandma Ma's. What's the... Larry Johnson? Larry Johnson when he did those movies. It's like those old guys that just keep playing ball. Get together. Yeah, yeah, sure. There's a... I think what really sparked it was that back then the teams were trying to compete with Toronto and... uh, Toronto, with Chicago. And uh, those teams hadn't won. I think the emphasis has really been focused on it since... KD joins a team that is already winning and dominating in the West yeah, and have won championships or whatever. So yeah. joining, jumping on that, there's, I think that's what's really brought that to focus because, you know, combining and saying, shit, we're going to try and com- beat this team that's constantly winning. Let's come together or let's whatever. I can go to the situation. Maybe we have enough people to like pieces to beat this, but to say it's like, you know, if uh, Charles Barkley went to the Chicago Bulls, you know, in the middle of their two three peats, you know, that's, that's a better example. You say, well, shit, yeah, you're they're already winning. Why are you doing that? So, I don't know if it's the first time that's happened for a superstar of Kevin Durant's caliber to jump on with a team that is already winning. And I don't know if it's, like, salary stuff, too, because if a team that's winning that consistently, generally you're going to have some high-paid players. So you're not going to have that open money to bring in those type of Kevin Durants. So I don't know. I don't know how the Warriors did it exactly. I don't. Again, I'm not in their back room with their finances, but I don't know. I think that's where – that was the moment that a lot of people really started to look at, okay, there's a difference between – that and guys trying to win with a different team that hasn't won. Oh yeah, I'm, and I'm and I I would agree with that. I mean, I, when I think about the the Warriors, I know we talked about this during the finals. The Warriors took the approach that the Lakers want to do with Kawhi, and that we're going to spend all our money on three or four guys and fill out the roster with you know a one year minimum vets and hope to God they find somebody in the uh, on their summer league team who's a rookie. To come out and play well, that's exactly what happened with the with the Warriors. But the issue is that you can't if you sustain an injury, you can't overcome it. So if one of your big players goes down, you're in a heap of trouble. The Raptors lose Ananobi for during the uh, you know for parts of the season. They lose Powell. They lost Lowry. They lost Leonard for a couple of games even when it, when they were doing the old you know scheduled rest days. And they were still able to overcome because they have depth. They've allotted their funds in, in, a, in a proper way. So it's the two philosophies. You know, clearly it worked for the Warriors when they stayed healthy. They would have won the championship. I actually think that if Durant was 100%, they probably would have beaten the Raptors this year. Um, but, you yeah. know, you take a chance. You take a chance by spending all your money on four guys. And that's what they did. You know, and it, it bit him in the in the butt. It really did because they lost Durant and Thompson. So, but I think when you talk about KD putting the spotlight on these super teams, I'd have to say it was really 
And I know I mentioned it goes back way back. Well, I mean, and you made some good points about them maybe being a little bit older. Those some of those teams I mentioned, you know, the Lakers and uh, yeah. uh, you know, and the Rockets. But LeBron James and Chris Bosh, I think, started the whole Super Team deal going into Miami. Miami had a pretty good team already. Uh, they had a couple of lean years after Shaq, but you know that was uh, that 2010 Super Team that they created. I think really set the tone. I'm like, hey, we can get together, win a couple championships, uh, cement our legacy, and then ride off into the sunset, you know? I think that's because there was a lot of attention to LeBron, and he made a big fucking ordeal, and the whole, like, I'm taking my talents to South Beach and whatever. That was a bad move, man. You know? So that brought that out. If he just signed with Miami, I mean, LeBron, LeBron, it's like Michael Jordan deciding where he was going to go. Like, he brought a lot of attention. Did he need to have a fashion show with him and – Bosch and Wade coming out and all that kind of stuff. Not no. one, not two, not three, right. not four. You oh. know, so that brings that that negative attention. If he just said, I'm signing with Miami, and then they sign Bosch after, I just don't think it's as, I mean, it will be noted for sure. But Chris Bosch is not somebody who I consider to be like, oh, because Chris Bosch was there, was a fucking super team. No, the guy was okay. The guy doesn't have a head big enough for his body. He doesn't play <laughs> hard enough down down low, in my opinion. He was good, but he was not a super team guy. You take Chris Bosh away from that team, I still think they win. What's well, it? That's quite the statement. Uh, you know, there's argument that Chris Bosh is a Hall of Famer. Well, I, I have a hard time. I don't see it personally. I don't think he was a, a dominant player, and I think the Hall of Fame is sort of reserved for those, you know, uh, guys who change the game or you can't or open the door to everybody you can't open the door for everybody but he's uh maybe without the blood clots you know in the last few years he hasn't been able to play i think he could have put up some some even better numbers his numbers stand up with some of the best in the game it's it's a funny he's a he's a podcast all on his own i think it'd be an interesting topic to to poll people and see if they think chris bosh is a hall of famer because a lot of the a lot of the 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 uh professionals think he's a hall of famer a lot of the guys, all the analysts, Jalen Rose thinks Chris Bosh is a Hall of Famer. John C. Billups thinks Chris Bosh is a Hall of Famer. Uh, has he put in enough years even? You know, 2005, I think he was drafted by the Raptors. And then... Why, well, is there stipulation on how many years you got to be in the league? I don't think so, but I, I think, think it so. helps. You know, when, oh, you, when, you're, when you're, you're accumulating numbers. If you can continue to play at a high level, then every extra year goes in the plus column for you. Is Vince Carter a Hall of Famer to you? 100%. Because of his longevity or because of what he did early in his career? Because of his longevity, because of, like, he changed Toronto. He changed the face of basketball in Canada. Um, he was he was dominant. Like, in his prime, he was, he was pretty fucking good. Chris Bosh, I never got that feeling from when he was in Toronto. You know, when he came, there was high expectations. And maybe it was ruined by Vince and coming in and, and some of those guys before him actually putting up some good good numbers and exciting to watch. Bosch just didn't seem to come through in the clutch when we expected him to. Uh, didn't command the ball um, as much as I thought he would. Um, it just, I don't know. It, my feelings with Chris Bosch within his Toronto was never... He never lived up to the expectations that uh, that that he had, and I think yeah he went to Miami. But again, I thought he was clearly the third horse from the get go. Yeah, oh, no um, doubt. And I think you could have, you probably could have got somebody else in there 
um, to be as effective as he was yeah. and complement those other two guys pretty easily. So I, you know, I, I think he's lucky to have those rings, to be honest. And I don't, uh, I don't see him being a Hall of Famer. I, I don't think he would have won a ring in Toronto had he stayed there. Even if they had accumulated some more assets, I just, don't, I don't think, like you said, I don't think he had that quality to be the sort of the give me the ball I'm the man I don't think he was that and I don't even think LeBron was ever that I don't think LeBron was ever the type to give me the damn ball I'm going to get us 10 points and that's a that's a negative a lot of people talk about oh for sure and I think it's a positive I think it's I think he's he's been the consummate professional when it comes to his his actual game it's pretty impressive like from from the the he could play every position really but he has vision like a point guard he shoots like a two guard he rebounds like a power forward. Like he, I've never seen a player like that. And that's, he's literally the, the, the Swiss Army knife of the NBA, but like next level. Right. So that's why he's, that's why he's talked about as the, as the GOAT in some instances. I, I don't, we, that's, again, that's a whole other podcast. We're talking about the GOAT here. We were talking about super teams, folks. We've gone on to, you know, hey, we this are. Pot, this goes where, where it, it takes us. It goes where it takes us. Right now it's taking us to the RA Apologize center. to the Swiss Army fans out there because I don't know what the next <laughs> level of a Swiss Army knife is. I think it's actually an actual knife. <laughs> like a, a butcher knife. I don't think so. Uh, Just a knife and, and a toothpick together? Is that what it is? Yeah. I don't know. And a wine cork. <laughs> um, so w- this might be a good time to take a break. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. Come back. Headlines? Yes, with the headlines and the new intro. There's a new intro. No, there isn't, but I'm going to do it properly this time. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back. All right. Your history. <laughs> but I'm on my break. Fan saves is the best way to save money just for being a sports fan. Dairy Queen, Kelsey's, Boston Pizza, General Motors, First Choice Haircutters, Ramada, Marriott, Menchie's. If you spend money at places like these, you could be saving money while supporting your favorite teams at every purchase. Download the free FanSaves app at the Google Play Store or the App Store to start saving money at both local and national brands. At FanSaves, they know that everyone is a fan of something. This is Headliners. This is the Headliners section. Okay, I am going to work... <laughs> I'm gonna get somebody to do this properly. <laughs> that might be the first time any segments ever started with two two titles. This is headliners. This is the headliners section. <laughs> <laughs> well, last time it was Pep heads, Pep's headliners, and uh, <laughs> he says it's not just my headliners. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna come up with a different name. Oh, it's so good. It's uh, yeah, we can't keep doing that one. You- <sighs> All right. So All right. What do we got for headlines? We got some headlines and I'm going to I'm going to trail them off one by one and then we'll uh, we'll pick a couple and chat about them in a little bit more depth. But let's start with the um, first headline. We've got Wimbledon in full effect. They're off to the third round. A lot of Canadian content in Wimbledon. Um, 18-year-old Felix Auger-Aliassim, I think I pronounced that correctly, is the only player in the in the tournament who was born in the 2000s and he's Canadian. He's he won today. He's off to the third round. Um, I believe he's ranked 19th, which is wild for an 18-year-old. Um, he beat another Canadian in the first round, Vasek Pospisil. Mm-hmm. Um, Milos Ranić won today. He's off to the third round. Denis Shapovalov, uh, who was ranked number 29, another Canadian, lost to lost, an unranked yeah. Lithu- Lithuanian first round, which is unfortunate. He's not welcome back in the country. No. 6'11", unranked Riley Opelka. 
He's an American. He beat top-ranked Stan Vavrinka in an upset today. 6'11", Brock, he's the tallest guy on the tour. Uh, it's a huge advantage. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the one, two, and three seeds are still in it, of course. The one being Djokovic, two Federer, and three Nadal. Peyton Manning won't do Monday Night Football analysis because he doesn't want to critique his brother or his friends. Smart. Argos QB James Franklin is on the six-game IL. Mikel, uh, sorry, McLeod Bethel Thompson will be taking over that number one spot for the Argos. They can't get any worse. They've given up 96 points in two games while only scoring 23 of their own. So Terrible. Montreal businessman Clifford Stark has withdrawn his interest in buying the Al Alouettes. Is that a cause for concern, Brock? Uh, yeah, big time. Opportunity for you, me, Kurt, and your dad to buy in? You, you got hey. 250K lying around? At this point, I think we can lowball them and see <laughs> if we can get it. I think so. Vladdy Jr. was absolutely crushing balls today in practice uh, to the tune of about 500 feet while he was getting ready for the home run derby, which he's uh, now a part of. What do you think of that? I am pumped. It's going to be cool to see. To eh? watch him in the home run derby. I saw some of those warm-up shots. Oof. Um, yeah, it's good. Kareem Hunt, the Kareem Hunt, uh, Kansas City um, castaway, was filmed. Current Cleveland Brown, I Current believe. Current Cleveland Brown, who's on, uh, who's suspended for the first eight games, was filmed talking with Cleveland police Saturday night outside a bar. That's never good. A witness said he was in an altercation with another man, but didn't know if it was just playful roughhousing with a friend or an actual fight. Here's an idea. You're a fucking professional athlete. Don't playfully roughhouse with anybody. You're a grown man. That's what my son does with his friends. Who just got suspended for something similar, correct? <laughs> anyway, the bar similar. owner believed that it was a small argument with an actual friend, so there's some, uh, there's some truth to some of the roughhousing, and I don't think it was friendly. The NFL released its top 25 quarterback list of all time. Uh, number one is no surprise. Damn, that looks delicious. Uh, Tom <laughs> Brady was number one. Sorry, Brock just got served some uh, beautiful <clears throat> wings, and I'm going to have some of his fries. That's why I got them. Beauty. Uh, Tom Brady, number one on, on everyone's list. Joe Montana, number two. Brock, can you guess number three? Uh, Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> no? Okay. Greatest uh, of all time. Greatest. Greatest of all time. I thought it was greatest bus of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the definition of bust with Jamarcus Russell takes a different connotation because it wasn't until, I don't know, three years ago that uh, Aaron Rodgers finally started to out-earn him in terms of salary. So wow. if Jamarcus is a bust, I would love to have been a bust. No anyway, kidding. Good on, uh, good on him. But no, uh, for the top five. So it's Brady, Montana. Uh, Let's start with just, uh, just number three for now, and I'll, I'll ask you four and five later, but the number three. Um, of all I'm going to say Bart Starr. I'm, I was shocked at, at how low he was rated in this list. It was actually Peyton Manning. Uh, Peyton, well, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Great career. John Elway, Brett Favre, Bart Starr. Uh, those are all guys that I have in my top ten. Um, I don't know if I'm just – basically, I just threw a whole bunch of things at a wall well, and looked at your express to see funny. if I got anything. Peyton Manning was number three. They ranked – and number four, they ranked Johnny Unitas. Um, and again, we I don't, we weren't even born when he played. But, true. you know, he was, from what I've read, and I, I went ahead and read, because these old guys, I've never seen it. There's not even that much footage of them. Really, that back in the day, there wasn't a whole lot of footage of these guys playing. So, yeah, so what are they basing it on then? Well, for Unitas, he was the 
I mean, apart from his numbers and uh, what he was able to do on the field, it, he was apparently the innovator of the two-minute drill. So, you know, the stuff that we okay. see now in, in the NFL, like the no-huddle offense, two-minute drill done basically in the middle of a game. I like it. He es- essentially innovated that. So I, kn- I didn't know that. I've never seen enough footage of Johnny Unitas. So he's three. He's three. Okay. Uh, no, sorry, he's four. He's four. Yeah, so it goes Brady, oh, Peyton Manning, Montana, three. Manning, Unitas, and Otto Graham was number five. Um, Otto Graham is notorious for he has the, the highest yards per attempt at nine yards. So basically every throw he made was almost a first down. Does Brady have the lowest? You, you know what, Brady? I don't know where Brady stands because his receivers end up picking up another seven or eight. So it's hard to tell. But um, Graham has the highest at nine yards per attempt. And uh, he was, uh, you know, uh, according to... You know, historians, the first real true gunslinger where he would really tried to stretch the field with his receivers. So I, I, if he played in the 50s, Brock. I, I mean, I don't even know. Does like, this list change <clears throat> as the old-timers retire in terms of reporting? So the reporters retire. It's a new generation that doesn't know Otto Graham, that doesn't know Johnny Unitas only from names. Um, Brock, does that it, list change? It's a great question. I mean, it has to. It has to. You know, and, These and, are very subjective. They are. I think if you uh, and we'll, I think what we'll do, we're going to end up doing an NFL podcast in the near future where we, we talked about this already, but maybe going over our own top 25 or top 50 current players. But this is an all time list. If you read numbers 6 to 25, the way they're in, the, the order that they fall in, I, I mean, I, it's questionable. I mean, I, they have Drew Brees at like 17, 18. His numbers are out, out of this world. Like, out of this world. They have... Um, Where's Marino? Do you know where Marino Marino's is? like nine, you know? I hated Marino. I hated him too, but I the guy thought had he was, a, uh, He was all right. I thought his first few years, he was, he was really something. I, you know, when they made that Super Bowl as rookie year, essentially, that was, I'm like, oh, here we go. You know, this... But I didn't see enough of him towards the end of his career. I think, he, you know, he always played behind a really weak offensive line. He never really had a running game. So Marino is, uh, had a cannon for an arm. Elway, for me... Is Elway for me is, might be the most underrated because he had such a cannon for an arm, and he won his Super Bowls towards the latter part of his career. And some would say TD helped yeah. that out a lot, Terrell Davis, but system, system, the right? system helped out in that that sense because TD was great, but TD was one of the first uh, systems where the old linemen for the Broncos were, for all intents and purposes, considered small. Yeah, but they were they were able to move. So those type of zone type plays where the linemen had to move away from the power. Yeah. The Broncos really um, pioneered that. Yeah. The zone and, block uh, system. Is that what they call it? Bro? Yeah. Zone blocking. And it was, uh, and it worked awesome. And Terrell was, was great in that system for sure. That's a, that was a, those two years when they won those back-to-back Super Bowls. Oh, geez. That one year when they beat the Falcons, that should have been the Vikings. Oh, Break my heart. I see the Randall Cunningham uh, a football life, and they always mm. replay that Gary Anderson kick that would have sealed the deal, and he misses it. The first one he missed all year, and then the Falcons go ahead and beat them. And, you know, that was a – the Vikings were 15-1 and one that year. That was a hell of a team. They Anytime you see anything on, the, on uh, the NFL network in terms of the best offenses in football history, the Vikings team, I think it was 98 or 97 is the year I'm talking about, that Randy Moss there too. Randy Moss's rookie year. Yeah, uh, they were just loaded, loaded, and and Randall Cunningham was uh, their quarterback, who was sort of like a redemption story, you know, after being sort of let go by Philly and yep. you know deemed p- 
pegged as a as a running quarterback, and you know he doesn't have the arm, he doesn't have the read ability. Well, he proved everybody wrong that year. But um, and Moss was um, Moss whatever. Was Another debate that people put up like, what's your, who's your favorite, like the top receiver of all time? Yeah, and who would you? Yeah, who would you start a franchise with in terms of receiver? Hundred percent, I'd the be prototype. Randy Moss. So after anyway. going through some of those uh, some of those headlines, uh, you know, I wanted I do we joke about Montreal, but is there a reason for concern in Montreal for for them to right now the league is operating the Montreal Alouettes? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Now I know that uh, Eric Lapointe, so uh, a guy I played with in Montreal, um, who's a, a Canadian University legend. But he's a, a really big financial advisor, I think, now. And he's got, apparently, uh, a group who's interested in buying it. And I don't think that had to do with the one that just pulled out. So um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that that... Uh, Clifford Stark is the guy that just pulled out? Yeah, I'm not sure if he's related to the uh, to the Eric group. But hopefully Eric can do something in that sense. Because it would be all local businesses, French-Canadian. Um, I think that would be great. There is some concern, though, in terms of anybody pulling out if they're interested in buying a team. That means something stood out to them financially or uh, with the direction that the the, uh, uh, the team was going that they didn't seem to like, so they pulled out. And that's always, I don't know what that is. So um, Could be anything, know, I guess. Could it be could a, be they anything. They look at stadium, they look at concessions, they look at... Yeah, uh, maybe it's something the city won't do if they yeah. wanted to... to build a stadium or do something different but they seem to be focused on baseball right now in uh, in the city yeah and of course I mean, the habs it's always going to be a hab city right you got to be winning and in montreal hasn't been doing that for a little while and they were spoiled for a long time they so, really were brock um it's a uh, you know that's a it's a tough sell and that's yeah. just markets in general if you're you know a team that's apparently winning for a long time yeah and then you start to have a, a downturn and there's some uncertainty in terms of coaches and players and a lot of turnover, There's a, it's hard for a fan to grasp onto a team when it's in those kind of state of flux. And I think that's what Montreal's going through right now. You know, i got to tell you, the uh, things like Johnny Menzel, like signings like that, can sometimes be a real red flag for a franchise. Like you're pretty, you're pretty much grasping at straws if you're taking a shot at a guy who, who really has shown nothing in the NFL. Has shown no ability to read. Good running, good running ability, decent arm strength, but really has showed me nothing in the NFL and showed nothing but mm-hmm. some character issues. When you take a chance and you, they traded a few guys to Hamilton to get him the quarterback in Montreal, I, I thought that was a bit of a red flag. I thought, oh, there's something wrong, something not right here in the Montreal organization. The fact that they took a chance and put all their eggs in the Manziel basket last year. And uh, you know, in the CFL, there's only nine teams, so it's not like you're you're giving up on a on a season. You could be four and twelve or whatever and make the playoffs sometimes in the CFL. So I just thought it was a peculiar signing. It showed to a maybe a bigger problem in the uh, administrative offices of the Montreal Alouettes. I don't know if if a lot of their alumni are involved with the Alouette organization. Maybe they should. It would be well. That's where my you know I hope that uh, that uh, Eric Lapointe's group does get involved somehow, just because his affiliation with it will bring a, a level of credibility and um, a level of connection between Montreal and the alumni association. Um, 
But that being said, with Manziel, like, you know, you knew Hamilton wasn't going to be playing him. It was an opportunity to sell tickets. There was some excitement in Montreal for a little while. The first game, I was I was so, excited to see him. Yeah. So, you know. He crapped the bed. Ultimately, but. you got some marketing moves you got to do, and I think that was one of them for Montreal. I think having um, Sherman there as the head coach, too, and his American connections, and, um, you know, I think that added to the stigma of bringing Manziel in and somebody who may, shoot, he may have been watching him, you know, and, and had a bit more in-depth understanding of who he was and, and how to get the best out of him. Um, but as we know, he's gone too. So if a coach can look lost, Mike Sherman looked <laughs> like he was, a lo- he was lost. Um, it's a different game. It's a different game, you know, and it, Kudos to kudos to Jerry Glanville for coming up into the CFL and doing something special with Manzoli last year. He was the offensive coordinator last year, or defense. I think he's defense. You know, in and he's an offensive guru for the most part. So kudos to him for coming into the CFL and adjusting. And uh, you know, it's di- different blitz schemes, different front seven looks because you got an extra guy in the field. You know, it's a whole different game in Canada. And uh, you know, Mike Sherman was a dinosaur. <laughs> in some circles in the NFL, yeah. and you ask him to come to a CFL where you got to be forward thinking in terms of your offensive schemes. He just looked lost last year, and uh, no he's disrespect to Mike Sherman, he's an old dog, and he's I, an old dog. I'm an old dog in my in my philosophy in basketball. I still believe in the center and the power forward. So it just sometimes the game just passes people by. I'm sure if I sat with Mike Sherman and uh, we talked football, he would embarrass me. Uh, with his knowledge and uh, his schemes, but he just didn't look prepared for the CFL. Maybe he'll maybe he'll return to the CFL after now having a taste of it and being able to study it from the sidelines a bit more. But anyway, I'm not here to shit on Mike Sherman. Yeah, I'm he's, calling not. Uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, he's probably not coming back. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's your headlines, folks. Uh, do we have an outro for headlines? An outro for headlines. You can go ahead and. I think it's probably going to be the same as the. We'll give it a intro. try. And then, but the difference is, I now say, that's been your headlines. I'm a headliner. It's. Ah. <laughs> so hey, listen, we got some. This is crude, folks. This is crude. Okay, we're just uh, we're working. We're ironing out some kinks. All right. If anybody wants to do some voiceovers, you know, get a better intro. By headliners all means, reach is, out. Headliners is a winner. It's going to be a winner on this. Uh. Your history. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm on my break. Is it time for another break? (laughs) We'll take another quick break before we get... uh, We'll just touch upon the Ottawa-Toronto connection with the NHL free agency that's uh, underway. And and then we'll do a special interview with with my man Brock here. And, uh, yeah, we actually ran into a buddy of ours that uh, happened to be attending the live show, too. So... Uh, I think you got a couple questions for Chris too when he come back. But I'm on my break. Have you heard of the new app called Fan Saves? It's taking the Eastern Ontario region by storm right now, offering discounts and deals from sponsors of junior and professional sports teams. The best part about it is that Fan Saves is co-founded by local founders from right here in Ottawa. Download the free FanSaves app on Google Play or the App Store to start saving money today at both local and national brands. At FanSaves, we know that everyone is a fan of something. 
All right, we are back. We and are back. Like we said uh, before the break, we have a special guest. It was a uh, spur of the moment. Uh, a buddy of ours was uh, attending. It's not really attending our thing live, but he was playing hockey here, so he happened to be on the patio as well, looking over at two douchebags with headphones on, saying, "What are you guys eating, doing?" In wings and fries. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of wings, so I'm going to pass the mic to Chris. You got a couple questions for him? Yeah, sure, man. And First uh, of all, uh, Chris Levac is his name, and I went to high school with Chris. And actually, my last year of high school, when I graduated, um, I was the quarterback of our of our football team, and I graduated and moved on. And we we were okay. We weren't very good, but we were okay. When I graduated, Chris Levac took over the quarterback position, and I believe took my high school to the Bull Door, which would be the equivalent of. Uh, the, in the Udaway, it's like the championship game. Actually, not even the Udaway. It's the uh, province of Quebec, correct? Yeah, we had a really good running back, though, named Dean Millen. He was pretty awesome, and he okay. drove the ball in a lot more than I did, I'll tell you that. <laughs> okay, so D, uh, Dean Millen is also a mutual friend of all of ours. But Chris Levac is here on the patio, and uh, welcome to the show. And we're just, we're not, I'm not going to put you on the spot with sports questions, but, like, you're here doing what, Chris? Uh, so basically every Wednesday I play with a bunch of bunch of uh, older fellas, actually. A guy I met through work, kind of just happened organically, asked me to come out and play hockey one Wednesday night. And it uh, turns out that these guys have had this same ice time from 5.30 to 6.30 at the RA Centre uh, for 35 years. Wow. Yeah. So, That's awesome. Yeah. They're, uh, needless to say, they're uh, well known with the serving staff here in terms of, uh, you know, getting a beverage after the game. And uh no, they've been doing their thing for a long time. So this is this is my first or second time, I think, playing in full-time in the summer. But, uh, yeah, I just kind of spare every now and then. But it's a good time. It's are good you time. suggesting, are you saying that that rink is 35 years old? Oh, I think it's older than 35 years old. Might even be 40, yeah. They do a pretty good job here at the RA. And we've, I've been playing softball here, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, for this will be my 19th season. Yeah, and back it, in the day, I played against you a couple times. I do remember that, as a yeah, matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, the... Fields are well maintained. Uh, they just got new lights this year, which is really helpful because the old lights were really old. But um, they they maintain this building pretty well, and there's a lot of use in the RA. Like there's basketball. They just built a basketball court. There's a basketball league. There's a like you said, the hockey leagues. Uh, and there's a there's an actual restaurant upstairs. And there's there's, there's things there's that people gym. people wouldn't even guess. There there's an archery club upstairs. Yeah. There's a, there's an actual firing range in yeah. the basement that they can shoot guns up to a certain caliber. Fencing. Uh, yeah, fencing, uh, volleyball, all kinds of stuff. And the new yeah the new soccer dome is, is uh, I think a pretty big hit too. Uh, so. uh, in the winter, they put the dome over to cover uh, the soccer fields that are currently there now. Right. Uh, they have this thing called the House of Sport. I I don't know enough about it in terms of what they what it actually is, but I think it's kid related. Um, it's probably a very cool initiative. So RA Center, I want to thank them for hosting us. And, uh, you know, guys like myself and Chris Levac, who've been involved in sports our whole lives, are taking advantage of the uh, of the great services here. And we're currently on the patio taking advantage of some of the wobbly pops. <laughs> um, and uh, Chris is here with a friend of his. Brandon uh, Herlihy. Yeah, Brandon another who? Elmer boy. Brandon Herlihy. Herlihy. That's a great name. H-E-R. Hang on. H-E-R. L, I H, Y. Close. God damn it! <laughs> go ahead and uh, I'll, I'll just you, you. I don't know if the mic will pick you up from here, but you go ahead and I'll. I'll uh, actually, no. You go ahead and you go ahead and use the mic and do it. So it's H I E R L I H Y. 
You were one letter off. That's like those crazy Gaelic words that they, they, they add in letters that don't even make sense in the name and stuff like that, right? Pyrlihy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's... I feel like Brock is going to turn that into a sound bite. Pyrlihy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just put that on repeat with like some scratching in between or something. That's amazing. Uh, well, welcome to the club, Brandon. And uh, I want to thank you guys. Thank you, Chris, for joining us here uh, during our cool, podcast. Man. Um, and uh, I hope the rest of your hockey season goes goes well. I know that you guys sort of gather as twenty or twenty or twenty five players. Yeah, we're about well twenty guys and two goalies basically, and we we, we split in half. We do games uh, seven game series, and uh, my team officially got their asses whooped. Uh, okay. We're now uh, four and one, so this series is over, and new teams next week. Uh, Brock was asking me a question. <laughs> Brock's got a chicken wing in his mouth. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Actually, Chris, do you, do you listen to us? Uh, I have not heard a podcast yet, actually. Okay, no. okay, well. Uh, I was aware of them, but I have not heard one yet. I'm going to guess you're going to listen to this one. Uh, just, maybe. Uh, yeah, or, I'm yeah. gonna just, I'm, at the very least, I'm going to have my kids listen to it and tell them I'm famous or something like yeah, that. Yeah, no doubt, man. <laughs> um, you, could, you could actually lie to them and say, hey, listen, and, and put it on your, on your phone through your car and say, hey, I'm on uh, Hot 89.9. <laughs> well, it's actually just through a podcast. Anyway, um, amazing. I really appreciate you guys coming on. I know it's not easy to sort of be thrown into the mix like that, but uh, thanks for joining us, buddy, and I hope that you have a healthy rest of your season. Um, you were mentioning that you mix the teams up. You guys get sort of bunched together, and you're all friends, and you have some pints after with some uh, hamburgers that the one guy was ready to devour the minute you turned your back. Um, so it sounds, looks like you play with some good guys. Yeah, no, it's great, man. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. It was pretty cool. Cheers, pal. Right on. And we're going to go to a quick break while Brock finishes off his chicken wings and I'm going to finish off his french fries. We'll see you in a bit. <laughs> but I'm on my break. All right. Well, we're back. We I are back. <laughs> and it is now 9 o'clock. Uh, we started at 7 uh, we've taken a couple of breaks. We had a couple of breaks, uh, chicken wing here or there, which were uh, delicious, by the way. I had a, a little bit more in-depth conversation with our friend Chris and his friend Brandon, a lovely gentleman. Um, no uh, word on Kauai yet. I've been checking my phone religiously every uh, 20 minutes and nothing Same. yet. So I, I really don't think he's going to make an announcement tonight. Not at this point. It's no. too late. Um, does he do it? Tomorrow, I think he does it tomorrow. I think tomorrow's July fourth. So if he does it tomorrow, yeah. is that a good sign for the Raptors? Ooh, that's an interesting. I didn't even that didn't even dawn on me. Right, Oof. another curveball. Another curveball. Well, we'll see what happens. I, uh, I, I think w certainly within the next seventy-two hours. I think tomorrow or Friday. I don't see this dragging into the weekend because he, you know what? He's holding some teams hostage to a certain degree. And I think he has a he has a conscience, so yep. you know he, you know Lakers have to move on if he doesn't sign with them, and he realizes that, right? So you don't want to burn. It was his birthday not too long ago. Happy birthday, Kawhi! That was, was, like, it, was uh, it yesterday. Yeah, yesterday, the second day after <laughs> Canada's birthday is the first. Kawhi's is the second. Happy happy birthday, bud! Happy freaking what birthday! <laughs> so good. Anyway, so that's I think that's why he maybe pushed some stuff off because he's, he's not tired. Gonna, yeah, he's he's enjoying his life. What's your prediction anyway? 
You never said what your prediction is. You said with, what he could do. What with do you with think? Kawhi? Yeah. I just think a straight he's prediction. No, no, he's in Toronto. I think he still resigns with Toronto. For how long? Two years with a player option. Two years with a player option? Yeah. So a year, and then a, the second year will be an option. And, uh, you know, he'll wait and see what the Lakers, how the Lakers do with AD, how LeBron James, if he regresses or if he recovers from his injury from last year, because LeBron James has been in the league for 16 seasons, and father time is undefeated. So I'm sure Kawhi wants to have an idea of where that franchise is going. And I was just telling Brandon, we were having a, a good chat about the Lakers. Look, there's one ball, okay? And Kyle Kuzma is not a passer. He needs his shots. Anthony Davis is an unselfish player, but he's going to need his shots as well. And no matter what LeBron says, it's hard to go from a scorer to a, pa a full-time passer. You know, LeBron's going to need his, his touches as well. So, you know, do you, put, do you move LeBron to the point guard if Kawhi goes there? So there's a lot of things to consider in L.A., that may not be that entertaining for Kawhi. So anyway, we'll see what happens. Sure, surely the next podcast we'll talk about uh, what decision he's made. I would assume by that time he'll have made a decision. So uh, stay tuned, folks. I say I, he's in Toronto for five. Five? Yeah. Max deal? I think he takes it. He takes it now. Um, I think he's too conscious of his body. He's conscious of the affinity of his career. And I think he takes it now because the last injury he had was kind of a fluke injury, right? When he stepped on somebody's foot and then something else went. And he just he understands more than anybody. And then watching KD and all that kind of stuff, how quick a career could end. So if he's trying to do it on a, a two-year thing or one plus an option, there's no guarantee that he's going to have that at the end of the rainbow. And I think he takes it. Anyway, that's, that's, my, that's my take. I would hope that's a. I mean, for me, that's a great explanation. For me, that's the perfect reason to stay. To stay, like you're gonna have some job security and you know stay in one city and let your family grow from there. So I'm with you, buddy. Um, before we move on to, I just want to touch really quickly upon the uh, NHL free agency. It's a little bit of a gong show in the NHL, uh, and uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But I just want to put a sort of a again a wrap a bow on this NBA free agency. You know. What's, uh, what's become sort of a secondary story is KD leaving the uh, Golden State Warriors for the New, Jer New Jersey Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, who used to be in New Jersey, and uh, them going ahead and signing um, Kyrie, uh, Kyrie Irving. Irving as well. So, you know, people talk about, well, why did they chose, why they chose the Nets over the Knicks? Uh, Jay-Z? There's a lot of factors. I, I think... Personally, the main factor is how dysfunctional the actual the Knicks are, uh, starting from their owner down. And uh, their coach, David Fisdale, is like the ultimate scapegoat. He's a good coach. Um, I don't think he's a Hall of Fame coach by any means, but he's a good coach and he's a good man, and players like playing for him. But Jimmy Dolan's a jerk. Uh, it's no secret. And he will just stand pat and continue to sign these third, fourth-rate guys for you know, sort of mid-level contracts because he sells out Madison Square Garden every single game. So what motivation does he have to pay big cash to a max player and win a championship when he's still going to make the same amount of profit because Knicks fans just don't stop coming? So, and Jimmy D is notorious. He's, he's for uh, alienating alumni. You know, he got into it with Charles Oakley, who might be one of the greatest Knicks of all time. And not a guy you want to get mixed up with. Jesus Christ, no. Charles Oakley? <laughs> Jesus Christ, no. Of all the guys, you know, he's... I think Charles Oakley once said he could f 
fist fight anybody in the NBA and win. And he just like he laid down the gauntlet and said, anyone, anyone take me on as a player when he was playing. So anyway, Jimmy D, you know, that whole it's sad because I, I always say that the NBA is better when New York is good, L.A. is good, Chicago and Boston are good. You know, so it's a tough situation in New York. Anyways, funny to see those two guys go to Brooklyn. Um, it's a very telling sign of the state of New York right now, basketball-wise. And uh, Brock and I can go into a lot more depth uh, with NBA free agency. But I think I'll just leave it at that, you know. Um, I was going to talk a little bit about DeMarcus Cousins not having much of a free agency market, but no surprise there. He's a bit of a dink, and he's a big softy, and he's coming off a really bad injury, so I'm not shocked. He just fired his agent this morning. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to help him very much, but, I mean, you what do you have a, an opinion on DeMarcus Cousins, Brock? Like, do you, you've seen enough of him play now to know. I think he was actually on pretty good behavior last year with Golden State. Yeah, I mean, I was expecting probably worse out of him during the the finals. He he actually did come on and was effective, um, you know, Absolutely. and fell right into how to draw fouls and um, you know. So from a big guy standpoint, I like to see big guys be tough. You know what I mean? Like it should take a lot to knock them down. Yes, but the NBA and the way they're they're calling it, you gotta flop to get calls and, and really exaggerated, and he's bought into that system. Uh, so it irritates me, but he was effective. So, um, you know, it was better than I thought he was going to be, and I'm surprised that nobody's really taking a shot. I guess he's just asking too much maybe. but He did sign for the league minimum and for the Vets minimum with Golden State, so I'm not sure what he's expecting or what his expectations are. I don't know, but uh, you nailed it, man. That was uh, like if you could just – sort of uh, encapsulize what you just said <laughs> that you pretty much described his entire career. So good on you for nailing that. But so anyway, um, NBA free agency is still a lot, lot to be determined. A lot of players moved. Um, the big names we've just discussed. NHL going through the same thing. And, uh, you know, it being post-Canada Day, I thought we'll just touch upon really quickly some of the free agency moves that uh, the, the Canadian teams have, have uh, made or not made. And, uh, you know, with the Ottawa-Toronto connection, uh, Ottawa signing DJ Smith, who is who was an assistant in Toronto, now he's the Ottawa head coach, seems to be a pipeline with players going back and forth. So, Brock, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just name state the obvious here. Uh, Zaitsev and Connor Brown for CC and Ben Harper. Who, who won that trade, and why, why would both teams make that deal? It seems like a sort of an exchange of, of average goods. Uh, average goods at best. Um, you know, being in Ottawa, and I think Ottawa won that trade just because uh, CC and Harper really haven't done anything. Um, so it was time to get rid of them. We get a couple guys back that, and it's the same for Toronto. You know, we talk about it on another uh, podcast where all the Oilers got rid of Taylor Hall and, um, you know, and that was a bad trade. Well, it was a bad trade now because you look back and Hall's been been doing well. Eberle's been doing well. But at the time, those guys were underproducing. Um, and you just have to move on from them. You can't just keep, you know, once they're in a funk uh, or it's not getting with the system or something's not meshing, you just can't keep riding that until it's dead. Get something for them, whatever you can get. And then, you know, those guys turn it around. So same thing with this trade. 
you know, there was high expectations for CC and Harper and stuff when they first kind of came up through. And the same thing with the, the two Leafs. You see, there's potential there. So if they can come into a new system and get a fresh start and produce, you know, it's not going to be Taylor Hall Eberly type production, but if they can produce to even what the expectations are, I think both teams win. Yeah, and you know what? I think it changes scenery for Zaitsev. <clears throat> You know, coming into a, a system where he might actually be a veteran on the defensive end, uh, aside from Borietsky. Um and I, Connor Brown to me was an impre- is has been an impressive player for Toronto the last couple of years. So that that could be a real steal in that if they don't turn around and trade him for more assets. But um, CC, you know, he led the he well, led the league in in the worst plus minus. So he, you know, not not a dubious distinction he wants to. Uh, hang his hat on but I think too also CC got a bad rap I mean he he, he was playing on a bad team and, oh yeah you know he was oftentimes hung out to dry and he's he's a stay-at-home defenseman no one's going to confuse Cody CC for Bobby Orr but he he played his role um, I thought he played well he happened to be on the ice a lot of times when he was playing with guys like Bobby Ryan who don't back check very well or at all so you know there's a lot of factors to look there I, I hope for for knowing the CC family I hope he has a bounce back here. I hope he succeeds in Toronto. He's certainly in a, in a better... Uh, well, that's it. CeCe and uh, Harper are the winners in this trade. If sure. you were going to talk about sh- sheer winners, sure. those two are going to a place that is ready to contend. Um, they should be looking to get in and, pr- and contribute in any fashion they, they can sure. to stay on the ice. The two guys come from Toronto. Maybe they end up being better statistically, but they're still going to be on a shit team for a little while, so... And it's a big rebuild. Like there's, you know, Ottawa hates the owner, all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's not a, an exciting place to be uh, with the Senators right now. Um, yeah, again, take that with a grain of salt. It's just yeah. from a, a, an overall perspective. But Toronto, um, you know, as disappointing as they've been in terms of expectations, I think, you know, they're going into a situation where it's exciting for them. And I think, you know, CeCe's an Ottawa boy, right? Played the 67s. Like, he's been here the whole time. Family's here. It's time for a change. And this could – I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, excels and uh, and starts to, to to play to the level that uh, people expect him to play, that we know we can. I know one thing. I've, I met his father. He's a very nice man. And his mother, actually. Uh, and I also uh, did a little bit of work with his sister, Chelsea, and – it's a hockey family. It's a, it's actually an athletic family. They all they play all kinds of sports. His father played in the CFL. Good family. You know, you want a guy like that to succeed. And, you know, I don't think he was put in very good positions in Ottawa to succeed. And oftentimes he was made the scapegoat. So I'm happy for him. He's going to a Stanley Cup contender. I don't care what you, anyone says. Yep. Toronto's got a team to win now. Um, you know, they went ahead and traded uh, Nazem Kadri the other day. It picked up a couple of really good players from Colorado. Uh, Tyson Berry, who's a really mm-hmm. a, an exceptional a player. That's yeah. going to really help them. So, you know, you've, you've just picked up um, Cody Cece, Ben Harper, Tyson Berry. You've upgraded your defense core. That's three, of, three out of the six to go with the existing guys that they have. Uh, uh, you know, um, O'Reilly. No, not uh, Riley. Riley. Morgan Riley. Yeah. And, of course, um, their offensive talent, you know, Matthews and Kapanen and Nylander. And so th- I think Toronto's done a really good job. And, they, you know, they signed Spets at a, at a very that comfortable was a steal, I think. 700K to replace Marlowe. He's a Toronto boy. Toronto boy? Being back in the, in the league, or 
back in that area and put the back Leafs in Ontario on. area. You know, I think he's he got a bad rep when he was younger because he's a little bit goofy on the on the mic and you know like uh, oh, he's a, his laugh should be one of these sound bites. Oh, it's it's, uh, it's a tough it's a tough laugh. It's one of the tougher laughs in pro sports, but. Uh, I'm, it's a good signing for them, you know. All that's left for them to do is figure out what they're going to do with Marner before they can start making more trades or not. They got to sign Marner. No, they got to re-sign Marner. They got to pay him what he's. They got to pay him because he's he's, an, he's a superstar in the NHL. So, um, when it comes to the other Canadian teams, there's not a lot going on. Montreal made a couple of small deals before free agency started, um, in the hopes of clearing up some cap space. They went ahead and offered Sebastian Ajo an offer sheet which by all accounts was sort of a low ball. And Carolina kind of giggled it off and said, yeah, we'll, we'll sign that, no problem. So, you know, I don't know what Bergie's up to, whether Bergie got sort of the rug pulled over his face or was Ajo's agent sort of like just playing dumb. I don't know. How does that work? Do you know? So if the Habs give the offer sheet of a low ball, Carolina's got to match it. Fine. They're like, we'll match it. We'll match it, no problem. But that doesn't lock Ajo into signing that contract. Like, if he feels like he's worth 10 a year and they're, like, offering eight and a half because of that offer sheet, he's not locked into that. I'm not sure. I think it's because I think there's a, like, UFA, FA, there's a difference between being unrestricted or not. Or if 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 he, if he signs the Montreal offer sheet, then he's like, yeah, okay, I'll take that money, no problem. And then Carolina matches. Then he's like, yeah, the Carolina, he's Carolina property for that price. Because he already signed a yeah, to that price. If he didn't sign the offer sheet, I don't know where I don't know where that goes. If he didn't sign Montreal's offer sheet and said, "No, I'm worth way more," and he holds off for something else, then that's a whole different ballgame, I think. Okay. But and he, he went signed ahead and signed one? it. Yeah, okay. he signed it. Well, yeah, so that's why I think that's why Montreal was confused. Like, hey, he I think he likes our offer. So, you know, Montreal's notoriously cheap, um, and they're you know that's a team that I root for. I've watched them my entire life. I don't know where they're going with this. I know they're I know they're a big centerman away from being a pretty decent team. You know, they barely missed the playoffs last year, but who's who's kidding? They overachieved, right? They overachieved. Mm -hmm. They're a small team. They need to get a little bit bigger up front, especially at center, and they certainly need to improve their defensive core. So, I don't know what Montreal is going to do. They're going to do something because they went ahead and dealt a bunch of guys. Uh, you know, uh, Andrew Shaw. They sent back to uh, Chicago, and they got some picks in return. They dealt uh, Nicolas Delorier, who's sort of a fourth line bigger bigger player kind of a bruiser so they're doing something and it's all money related so anyway who knows what they're up to but uh one team i wanted to talk about that uh, uh is not canadian but i just thought you know they, they really they really went for it and now that it's over and the guys that they picked up at the deadline are gone what the hell did they do now and i'm talking to you columbus hmm you know, they signed Duchesne, and Dezingle now is a UFA, and they picked up a couple of other guys, and Bobrovsky now is gone. So, Panarin's gone. Panarin's gone, yeah. So what do you what do you do now if you're Columbus? Do, do you applaud the owner for saying, let's just fucking go for it like Alex, Alex Anthopoulos did? Or do you say, holy shit, now we're, now we're behind the eight ball. We've got nobody left. What do you do as a Columbus fan? Are you happy? Are you pissed off? Are you... Get ready for some torts quotes. <laughs> yeah. Let's, you know, that's going to be probably one of the biggest ones. Um, no, I applaud teams for making that push. Now they, you know, did not get the result they were looking for, 
And um, you know, I'm sure I I'm sure the plan was always exactly how it played out. Although they were expecting to maybe have a further run in the playoffs this last year. The guys they signed, I just you know, they weren't gonna be long term keeps for them. They knew that. So I think they're just going along with the plan. So I, I think, you know, if I'm a Columbus fan, it you had your excitement, team underachieved, and you know, but now you're still kind of on course. They'll be fine. They they're they're a pretty good organization and yeah. Um, you know, they don't take unnecessary uh, risks for a lot of guys. Uh, Duchesne signed for a pretty decent amount of money, too. Um, you know, Panero is one of the highest free agents on the market at the time. Signed for, what, almost like $11 million a year? Crazy or money. Whatever more. Um, but the Rangers kind of stretch there. The Rangers are notoriously for that. Yeah. So I think... Yeah, I think it was good for the player, but I think Colum- there's no way Columbus would have paid that yeah. to keep him. So, um, and he's good. Is he that good? I mean, I don't see a lot of Columbus games, so I watch the playoffs, and that ain't good. So I don't know. I think if you're a Columbus fan, you just kind of stay the course. There's there's a plan there somewhere. Yeah. I don't think Torts Torts doesn't fuck around a lot, so. With you there, I don't think it's all doom and gloom in Columbus. Look, 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 who, look who they lost. Dezingle, I think, is severely overrated. Fast guy, but really, did he make that much of a difference on Columbus? I thought Deshane played really well in Columbus, but you know, you Down knew that was a bit of a risk, right? So, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to be all doom and gloom. Bobrovsky was hot and cold. He played really well in the playoffs. You know, they swept Tampa Bay. Let's give them credit where credit's due, but I think they'll be fine. Um, you know, and ku- again, uh, for me, kudos for going for it. I have. What I went through with the uh, t- 2015 Blue Jays is exactly what Columbus went through with the 2018 Blue Jackets, like, or 19, I guess. For me, that excitement was just, I can't, it's, I can't even compare how excited I was when Anthopoulos went for it and dealt yeah, it the was entire worth it. farm for Price and for, you know, Latroy Hawkins and for all those guys he picked up at the deadline. Uh, the guy, he, the, the closer who used to grunt every pitch, the older guy. I can't remember his name right now, but uh, Grilly. Grilly. Yes. Grills. Jason Grill. Grills. Grills. Grillmeister. Yeah, he was a character. He too. went for it, you know, and I and then Tulowitzki and Donaldson was already there. But Tulowitzki, like, wow, Ben Revere. Anyways. And it was exciting. Like, you, that's what you want. Yeah. Like, if they don't do that, you have a mediocre season. You know, you don't quite make that push. The next year, you're sort of in the same boat. Yeah. So at some point, you take you pull that trigger, and it's got the timing's got to be right. And uh, yeah, you, as a fan, fuck, you live with the highs, you live with the lows. You know, that's what you got to do. What more do you want, Columbus? I, did it, did they not make the conference semis? Did Boston yeah. sweep them? Uh, or Boston beat them, right? Like, I mean, you, you, the you Boston did, beat them in seven. You did what you had to do. So, and Toronto, I mean, Toronto made but basically Columbus the Columbus swept Tampa. Yeah, the best yeah. team in the NHL. So, I, you team, know, exactly. Kudos to them. Um, there's really not much left to talk about in terms of Canadian teams. Very minor deals. I thought, I thought the Jets losing Tyler Myers to the Canucks is a, is, is going to be a that's, a that's a big signing for the Canucks. The Canucks have been sort of irrelevant the last couple of years. Um, they've got Pedersen, the rookie, who had a really good year last year, but really nothing to talk about in Vancouver the last few years. And when the Sundines start to reach the tail end of their career, they slow down quite a bit, and they really didn't have a contingency plan until recently. So 
Great. Let's move on then. Nice to see. The, nice to see them make a move. <laughs> uh, the Jets have lost guys. They haven't really signed anybody yet. Um, Flames. Mike Smith is now with the Oilers. I'm not sure what the fuck the Oilers are doing. Uh, I love Mike Smith. I just he's 38. He's 38. He's what plan do you have? Like I don't know what's going on in Edmonton. And of course, uh, Calgary just really hasn't done too much. So let's just uh, put a put a stamp on this here. Moving on. How do the Devils? Where do the Devils finish? That's my uh, oh, prediction for you. Oh, Devils are going to be uh, Devils are going to be really fun team to watch with Subban, you know, and uh, who they they picked up somebody else recently. They drafted uh, Hughes. They drafted Hughes. They got Subban, but they just got somebody else recently as well, uh, free agent. Oh, it's going to slip my mind. But they, oh my god, how am I how am I forgetting this? On top of Subban? Yes. So they're they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. I mean that's a that's a good little team with Taylor Hall and uh, and Subban oh, now yeah. and uh, you know they they have good goaltending. Uh, Kincaid is their uh, was their backup. He's going to move on. I think the Habs are going to sign him. But we've got our uh, detective Brock on the on the scene here. But we're going to take a quick commercial break, really quick. Our last one, and when we come back, I want to have a quick chat with Brock. I know it's uh, we've been on for quite a bit here now, but. Uh, I want to get this done. I want to know a little bit about Brock. Brock's got a, a very, very storied football history in terms of uh, local football. And uh, really proud to call him my friend. And I want to ask him a few questions about uh, about his career. And uh, we'll get to know Brock a little bit more. So we'll be back in a minute. Was it Wayne Simmons? Wayne Simmons. All right. So we are back in... Uh Although this was supposed to be the segment where Pierre asked me a bunch of questions, um, we actually recorded that just now, and it went a little long. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to put that into a bonus-type episode that we'll add to it. Um, and we're going to start to uh, wrap up this episode. Next, uh, next week, we'll have Mike Pignat as a guest, and we'll be talking about the Blue Jays' midseason review, uh, player grades, probably the all-star team. We'll be talking about Kawhi, whether or not he signs. Yeah. And uh, that's a wrap for yes. us. I want to thank the RA Center for hosting us again. Gracious hosts. And uh, we uh, look forward to coming back here, I think, Pete. Yeah, I like it. We're going to make it a little bit quicker so we stay out of the skeeter zone. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, or we're moving it inside. But other than that, the chicken wings and cheap drinks are... Enough to keep us coming back for more. Delicious. And for those who are listening, who are looking to be guests, or who we ask to be guests, chicken wings and drinks. And French fries. Time for you to go out to the places you will be from. Closing time. This room.